Our Father, we do want to thank you that the Lord Jesus does change people from before to a new life after he meets them. And we pray that uh, we might see how good he is and to enjoy those changes, not just as we read about them in the Bible, but see them work through in our lives too. We pray that for the glory and honour of his precious name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 5 verse 1. They came to the other side of the lake to the country of the Gerizines. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. For Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. But a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had been, the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened, the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them, how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. So he paused there. The children are going to leave for their group. Right, but the children have gone and uh, we can uh, pray. Uh, I forgot to press the buttons to keep the reading in front of you but you've probably got your Bible and you could see it anyway but here's the thing 
We're starting on the very first day of January with a very important question. How would you like to be different this year? We heard about the extreme makeover on the houses, the before and the after, and how the after was brilliant. Well, how would you like to change this year? It's the time, isn't it, the first year of the year, is when people normally make New Year's resolutions. People were talking about starting an establishment called the Resolution. It would be a gym for the first two weeks, and after that it would go back to being a pub and a restaurant, so people get back to their own habits. That's about as long as <coughs> resolutions last. And I guess what you choose as your New Year's resolution will depend on what you think your big problem is. If it is overweight, you'd want to diet, and if it's lack of money, you'd want to earn more. But let me tell you, the Bible is the only x-ray picture that will help us to see what our main problem is. And we'll see what our main problem is from that man in the story who Jesus helped in Mark chapter 5. And I want us to get out of that story tonight, if you like what I might call a, a Beckentry badge. That's our Beckentry badge. I sent it out to some people on WhatsApp this morning. And uh, three things have come out of that story that we can learn. As we want as a church to go out and find our joy this year, bringing glory to Jesus Christ, that is the best place to find our joy. And as we go out to do that, then I want to suggest to you that our main problem, which is generally that we love ourselves and think of ourselves too much, as Rob said at the start of our service, well, what happens to us when we seek the glory of Jesus is that we find our love growing, growing for God. We want to grow a humble love for God first. And out of that, to grow a passionate love for the lost and a compassionate love for those who fear. Those are the three loves that would be wonderful to grow this year and we want to see what we can learn about them in this story that we're looking at. So the first and the greatest love that we want to grow is a humble love for Jesus. That's the main difference that Jesus made to the man in the story. He starts off with uh, ah, uh, being fearful that Jesus would torment him in verse 7. If you look at verse 7, 5, 7 in Farsi, he says, do not torment me. That's what he thinks Jesus will do. But by the end of the story, you see how he goes into his town telling everyone how much the Lord had done for him in verse 19. He'd been changed from a fear of torment to a humble love for God who had done so much for him. What exactly had God done? Why did he want to go and tell people about this? humble love that he had. But you saw it from the very first verse when you met this man. You saw he was filled with 
inside evil. And it's the first thing you learn about him in verse 2. He came out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. In fact, uh, in verse 9, you see that he had many unclean spirits. His name was Legion. And what we need to perhaps understand from that is that when his condition is mentioned, yep, it's far advanced. He's a spiritually broken man in a very extreme kind of way, but what is true for him is also true for us. That our lives are in the same condition. The Apostle Paul wrote, and those words at the bottom of the street in uh, uh, the Bible is Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit of his night work in the sons of disobedience this is us, not just him and same for us as it was for him the core reason why lives break down is spiritual. It's not financial. You can solve it, therefore, by getting more money. It's not geographical. Uh, your life gets better if you can only change your country or if you're in Dagenham, go and live somewhere nicer. No, we are broken people because spiritually inside we are badly influenced and misled. But we like to say it's outside, not inside, and so we blame outward factors, we blame bad parenting, that we might have received bad peer pressure, that we fell into the wrong crowd. We pass the blame outside, but our deepest difficulties are inside us. And it is really important to be humbly see that and admit that because that's what will fill us with deep gratitude because as this man was had to see Jesus had great mercy on him he did say how much the Lord had done for him how much the Lord had done for someone who was evil and it's when we realize who we are that we can marvel at the amazing way God does so much for us. And the Lord had done great things for him. Let me just emphasize that because it is really important for us to understand that the Lord didn't do this for himself. He gained nothing out of this apart from actually people not liking him very much because they beg him to go away in verse 17. <coughs> so God himself does gain nothing from doing great things for this man. But then that's entirely right, isn't it? Because God is God. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need to get anything out of what he does because he has everything himself. He is God. But because he is God, he can therefore devote everything he does to the benefit of others. 
And that's what he does, even though we are evil. It's when we're honest about that, that we begin to marvel and have this great humble love for Jesus, who is wonderfully able to do so much that we can say what the Lord has done. So that's the first love we want to grow, a humble love for Jesus. The second love we want to grow is a passionate love for the lost. Again, I don't know what the pastor says, uh, and it may not be all that good on the screen. But, I just want you to notice one thing in verse 1. Jesus has a passionate love for the lost because he crossed the sea to save this one person and then go off again. Talk about a passionate love for the lost. And then this one man has that same passionate love for his city. So he goes from being the city's only problem to being the city's only hope. Because he stays behind to go to his people and to speak to them about the Lord. He is saved to be an evangelist. And that same mission is ours. Like us, our friends on our estate are lost because there is a spiritual enemy inside. Demon possession is behind every kind of unbelief. Where do you find it? And yet, through the words of an ordinary person, Jesus can deliver people from evil. And so an ordinary person is sent back into his city to have that transforming effect there too. It is astonishing that Jesus has such a passionate love for the lost. And it is really passionate because you know what happened in his case. The evil was drained out of him into a herd of pigs and the pigs were completely destroyed, yes? My friends, in real life it is even more dramatic than that. In real life what happens is the evil in us is drained out to the Lord Jesus himself on the cross where he dies and is destroyed because of our evil and our sin. He has a passionate love for the lost. And we need to go out of the New Year with a very vivid vision in our mind for our estate. That we long for demonic unbelief to be channeled out to the cross in order that our whole estate is engulfed in gratitude to him because of his great love for us. We need to grow a passionate love for the lost. And then thirdly, oh yes, he goes to one man and then brings out hope for his city. Then thirdly, we want a compassionate love for failure. It's interesting, we're not told in this Bible why this man was so full of evil. We're not told what he had done to make it like that way for him. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because the Bible does not blame this man, although the Bible does tell us that 
ultimately man is responsible, man is accountable. It's not to say that this man is totally innocent and that everything that happened to him came in from outside. And yet, when the story is told to us, there is no blame. What you get to read about is the pain he was in. And you can see that, can't you, in these verses. He lives in a cemetery in verse 3. A depressing view of someone who stopped living, a person who might even be longing for death. We're told that he hurt others in verse 3, and yet he himself <coughs> is uh, beyond all help. And uh, now, if you've got verse 3, uh, you'll be able to see that uh, uh, no one uh, can restrain him. It's very difficult to read the Bible and learn from the Bible with the Bible shut. And he breaks people as easily as he breaks chains. Nothing works when it comes to changing this person. He self-harms in verse 5. So it's like he can perhaps escape the restraints that other people put on him, but he himself can't escape the emptiness he feels as he cries and as he cuts himself and longs for release. That's pain. That's real sadness. And that's exactly the pain and the sadness you find in people today. It's easy to blame. We cut ourselves in different ways. And uh, it's generally our fault that we do that. That's true. We head off into uh, the addiction of food or drink or drugs or we buy toys to fill our lives with gadgets and in the process we self-harm ourselves usually with our health or perhaps our spending self-harms and that we're left with post-Christmas debt and our bad spending choices and it's possible isn't it to look at a word like that and to allocate blame and yet what you find the Bible preferring to look at is to understand the pain of people as they go through their lives that have been filled with evil. Because as we focus on what people are actually going through, that will start up a compassionate love rather than a critical response of blaming because it's their fault. So, if you're new uh, on our estate, um, yeah, don't know what happened there. Um, I think the screen is frozen. Never mind. If you're new on our estate, then can I suggest it is entirely understandable if you felt suspicious of Jesus in the past, thought badly of him perhaps in the past, thought of take him seriously and ending up tormented by him in the past. That's how this man used to think about him. But let me explain to you the reason why you might have thought like that. It is because there is inside evil in all of us. And Satan influences us far more than we think he does. 
And yet it is interesting isn't it, that Jesus does not write off evil people. And he makes himself known to bring that evil person away from evil into a life of humble gratitude to him. How wonderful if that's your new year, filled with humble gratitude to the Lord Jesus. <coughs> so ask him to have mercy on you. Because friends, there is a parking place for the evil that is inside of us. And it's not inside of us. His love has created a dumping ground for evil and sin on the cross. It doesn't need to be in us anymore. Let's ask him. And he'll bring that change and make that difference. Maybe you're someone who's used to church and I wonder if our need for humility is just as great because it's very easy, isn't it, when we see people who failed to blame people for their failure rather than to feel the pain that is caused by evil in their lives. Friends, it would be a wonderful thing in this new year if we who go to church develop a compassion for people who have got it wrong. And I want to suggest to you that actually God will do that not just by leading us to people on our estate who might be like this, but even in our church there will be those who annoy us, who irritate us, and these are wonderful opportunities to trigger love and not criticism. If Jesus has drained away our evil to the cross, let's use the same drain when other people get things wrong in our lives, wherever they happen to be. Or it may be that you are a genuine believer, and I think we've seen that however disqualified this man might be, he happens still to be the only hope for his city. He has a passionate love for the lost and Jesus gives him the keys to his area so people can go from being lost in evil to being full of gratitude and love for him. And our network of churches in commission wants London to be a city like that. Ultimately, the desire for those 360 new churches like ours is to really bring about climate change from inner evil to deep, deep gratitude. And so, my friends, I want to suggest that we find our joy this year bringing glory to the Lord Jesus and that as we uh, want to do that, we primarily ask him to grow our love in these three different areas. A humble love for Jesus, a passionate love for the lost, and a compassionate love for failures. Beckentry Church, Beckentry Badge. Let's keep that. Let's pray that love for ourselves every day 
of this new year. And let's go out into our estate. We won't be going out anyway. January we're having a month off. Um, but come February, come March and the rest of the year, let's go out and speak about the great things the Lord has done for us and how he has had mercy on us and can bring others to new life and new love as well. Let's pray that God will help us in that and um, uh, let me close in prayer but please keep praying for that to be true of you as well. Let me pray on our behalf. Our Heavenly Father, we plead for the joy of living each day this year to your praise and glory. And so, therefore, we pray that you will give us a humble love for you because you drained the evil which filled us into your Son. Give us a passionate love for the lost, wanting lives to be transformed, transformed from Satan's power to praise and give us a compassionate love for failures that we feel pain rather than blame. Grow love in us this year, we pray, so that we may, be, we be, may experience your goodness and be enabled to live for your glory. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. <coughs> Normally, we have Farsi lesson before Sunday, so I can try and explain that. Not easy, just listening to English, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, we can ask questions. Uh, maybe afterwards we can explain more. But for anyone here who looked at that passage, saw perhaps new things, what you see that was good, or was there anything you saw that was puzzling, then let's...